are developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time zone or what time you're listening to this or watching this, by the way. Um, my name is Chris Smith. And I'm Peter van der Lende. Welcome to episode 169. Uh, we're going to talk about Jet GPT, uh, talking about time zones. I'm in Atlanta, and Chris, you are? In Paris. That's right. So Jet GPT, um, we're going to talk about this phenomena that now is uh, is 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 uh, um, entering the news. I would say across the globe. Well, we'll see about across the globe. But uh, when we talk about Jet GPT, what what is it that you understand it is, Chris? Okay, well, Jet GPT. Um, we're going to talk about a few things here. So really, what is Jet uh, GTP? Who will embrace it and who will not? And what the future will look like after or with even Chat GPT or maybe its its follow-ups, its uh, its heirs, if you want. Uh, and we'll also make some sidesteps related to AI or big data in um, in a few forms, sorts, and forms. So what I think Chat GPT is, as as what I've read about it mostly, is it's a chat bot. Um, in other words, it's a chat machine, if you want. And for me, the big difference between ChatGPT and, say, Google is that Google is a search machine. Uh, search machine is what is the capital of the Netherlands. That is, that is a search. Answer comes back in Amsterdam. Now, what Google, Google cannot do and what ChatGPT can do is if you ask um, what is the capital of, of the Netherlands, the answer comes back, Amsterdam. If you then ask Google, is Amsterdam a safe city, then Google is confused. Because there's no there's no sequence of, of questions. This is something you can do with ChatGPT. So you can ask, what is the capital of the Netherlands? Answer comes back, it's the Netherlands, uh, it's Amsterdam. And then you can say, is it a safe city without mentioning Amsterdam as such? So it, it is becomes part of a conversation. Um, I've played with it a bit, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, what I've done so far, I've written articles, written, well, got articles back in Dutch, in English in Spanish and even in Russian, written in Cyrillic, evidently. But um, why not ask ChatGPT? And, and so what we did is we asked these, this, this chatbot, this machine, ChatGPT, write us an intro for Chat and GPT and cultural difference. So about this podcast. So what did ChatGPT come back with? Well, here it is. ChatGPT is a cutting-edge AI, artificial intelligence, language model developed by OpenAI, designed to create or generate human-like text based on the input provided. It has been trained on a vast corpus of text data and can respond to a wide range of questions and prompts with high, relatively high accuracy. However, it is important to keep in mind that as a machine, the machine writing this, ChatGPT lacks the cultural experience and nuances that come with being human. That is you and I, Peter, and the rest of the population. Cultural differences can greatly affect how language is used, for one, and how language is used and understood. 
So it is important to consider these differences when communicating with ChatGPT and interpreting its responses. And we will um, talk about this. Who puts in the information is also not culturally neutral. So what I did and what Peter did is um, I call this a trip around the world. And basically what we've done, we've asked some friends of ours in, in terms of do you know what it is and what's your reaction to it? So a few countries here, Colombia didn't have an idea what, didn't know what ChatGPT was. Uh, Argentina didn't know and had no clue what it was. Guatemala, no clue and didn't know what it was. Russia didn't know what it was. Mexico, um, this is, we asked our, our Mexican VA, virtual assistant, um, he knows what it is, but he's not really familiar with it. And you asked a few people as well, Peter. I asked a few people as well. Uh, first, I mean, ChatGPT uh, is, in my mind, of course, not in my mind, I, I, I guess that's just factual, uh, based on artificial intelligence. So you need a lot of data to make that happen. And ChatGPT then grabs information from whatever sources they can catch and then produce uh, content for you. And that can be anything. So I've played around with it as well. So for example, I wrote an article and asked ChatGPT, enhance it. So then ChatGPT makes something else out of it. Or I say, make a summary or make it SEO friendly, uh, things like that. Uh, I showed it to my daughter, my youngest daughter, Gabby. And I said, uh, do you need to write an essay? She, she said, yes, about and how old is she Mouse M.A. She is uh, 14, almost 15. She's 15 next week. Okay. And she had to do an, an essay for school about a book called Mouse, M-A-U-S. I asked ChatGPT, write an essay for her. And that's what the, the ChatGPT did. Um, so she's familiar with it because I introduced her. I think my oldest daughter and my middle daughter also are familiar with it because they're in college here in the United States. And then I asked my brothers who are in the Netherlands as well, are you familiar with it? And uh, yes, they were familiar with it, especially my youngest brother, who is already looking into with a potential partner or, or, or other people what ChatGPT can do for advertising, for example, and mm. uh, build the bridge towards certain advertising components. Uh, but also he mentioned that uh, this, this is also the beginning uh, of a new consulting uh, a new consulting space, right? Because now you will have consultants around chat GPT or uh, artificial intelligence in terms of business. But anyway, so that's what uh, that's what I did. So this is the, the little tour around the world. Uh, mm -hmm. What we will do, by the way, Chris, is also we will, we will uh, tie this back to culture because this is a Culture Matters uh, video cast. Uh, so we want to, of course, make sure that we uh, connect the chat GPT revolution, if you will, to cultural dimensions and what it means for different cultures and countries. And of course, uh, tie the link also to international business in general, right? Yes. Well, and then with a note in the margin, I, I would like to add, and this is, these are my two cents. And we talked about this in, in preparing this, Peter, um, is that of course for us, for you and I, everything is culture, right? We have this professional deformation and we think everything is culture. But I also know in reality out there, that's not the case. If I, for instance, look at a, at, at my friend in Guatemala, it, this is not the richest country. And, and, you know, keeping up your, your life standard, which for this person is, is not, is not, not filthy rich at least. Um, but certainly middle class, 
and and so what I'm trying to say with that is it's not it's it's not only cultural aspects. There are also social aspects. And what I've discovered in in my uh, round around at least my friends is is that the two aspects that actually play a role. One is age. The younger people are, the more they are with this, the more they understand this these new kind of te technology, which is not so strange, of course. And the other aspect is for me also a social aspect. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that if if you need bread on the shelf, in other words, if you need to fill your stomach and, and you need to work and you need to work even two jobs, as some people even in the US do, then these things are not on your mind. In a way, if you want survival is first on your mind. And these these aspects, these concepts are also social, but there are definitely cultural aspects as well. And let me quickly talk you through the four dimensions that we use, the four primary dimensions of culture, which we tend to use almost in pretty much in, in every podcast, video cast, but also during seminars and workshops. And the four the primary dimensions of culture are uh, hierarchy, um, individualism, where on the other side you have collectivism. Um, then you have goal orientation. A country can be goal oriented. And if it's not, it's process oriented. And then there's an aspect called uh, predictability. And predictability talks about the number of rules a country has. Official rules, but also unofficial rules. And an example of an unofficial rule is how do we greet each other? Do we kiss, bow, or shake hands? That's not written in law. But if you step outside of that, if you want ritual, then people look at you funny. Um, so those things are, are important when we look at culture in general. Specifically, coming back to ChatGPT, what I think, what we think is, is that um, countries that score particularly on certain two last dimensions, goal orientation and predictability. So goal orientation to the extent that this is a typical Anglo-Saxon aspect um, and it's a typical American aspect as well. Let's just do it. Let's just do it and what comes out, right? Um, so those are high, high scoring countries and they, they want to score and they want to win and be successful with this. Um, and then there's another, the, the fourth dimension, which is predictability. And predictability dictates to that extent that low, the lower the score, the more entrepreneurial people are. In other words, the less afraid they are to make mistakes. And if you, you don't really make mistakes, you basically learn. And that's the, the, the cultural concept behind it. While higher scoring countries like Mexico, like Iran, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, not the Netherlands, France, I should say, um, they are much more reluctant to new things. Let's just wait and see if this is something that will actually develop into something. And these things tend to come across pretty as pretty pretty scary um, as well. You have an example, Peter, with uh, with Latin America. And in the meantime, I'm yeah. going to flip on the light here because it's getting dark. We're recording this in my time zone at 5 p.m. And it is it's the 5 p.m. February for those of you listening in the future. So yeah, that light uh, that light works. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's good to mention, Chris, that not everything is culture. Of course, we talk about culture a lot uh, because a lot can be explained along the lines of cultural differences, and especially in international business, we have lifted ourselves. You lived in multiple countries, as did I. We work uh, cross borders all the time, and we know that uh, in 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 certain cases, it's not the individual. Uh, that made things difficult. It is actually the culture. So French culture is very different from the Americans. We all know that it always comes up in jokes and in, in uh, stand-up comedy and what have you. Uh, but not everything is culture. That's uh, that's of course um, something that we uh, always want to emphasize as well. 
but when you talk about uh, culture in the in the uh, in in this particular case when it comes to new technology that is quite revolutionary we always arrive at the conclusion that it's not a coincidence that ChatGPT started again in San Francisco in, in the in San Francisco area, right? In Silicon Valley, where where companies put in money just to do stuff, to try things. Just do it and see what happens. And if it fails, then we'll pick it up and we'll try it again. So uh, this is the the uh, the goal orientation and predictability uh, dimensions at work. So not a coincidence that it started in the United States. Let's see what happens. But what is interesting, we think, what we need to talk about is who will adopt it early, who will ad- reject it, where will it go from here? And uh, what we've seen, for example, in Latin America is what we call in Dutch, the Wet van der Remme, the Voorsprong. Uh, and I think it's actually a, a, a thing that's that started by a Dutchman who said it, and then it's difficult to translate in English, but I, maybe the best one is uh, the handicap of a head start. So... For example, in cell phones, when the cell phones came out um, many years ago, uh, it was a slow adoption in countries that were developed where everybody had had a phone at home and there were telephone booths everywhere. Uh, the, The opposite of that is, of course, if you look at Latin America, there were not many phone booths and maybe not every not everybody has a phone at home. So when I was there in the 90s, everybody had a cell phone in Venezuela, for example. Mm-hmm. That was not necessarily the case in, in the Netherlands, for example. Mm-hmm. So the question now is, will ChatGPT be embraced in countries like that? Or will it be uh, going faster in countries that are, as you mentioned earlier, developed because they, they can use it and, and maybe in other countries... There are other dynamics at play that potentially could um, could uh, could ab- could put a break on that. So we'll we'll need to see. But what we what we do know is that um, new things are sometimes rejected, sometimes embraced. Uh, and uh, you know, if you look at history, and maybe you can talk about that a little bit, Chris. We've seen the rejection and 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 cultures embracing. Let's call it new things. Right. Yeah, it's the, well, that's a part, partly of the reactions. I mean, when we asked, asked our family and friends about whether they knew this or not and, and, uh, and whether they're familiar with this, one of the first things that, that tend to come up pretty much always, uh, and then also pretty, uh, pretty every article that at least I've read or we've read uh, is, is that will it replace humans? And that is something that has always come up. Um, so yeah. humankind as such has been against the new thing. Um, pretty much as as far as the existence of the human uh, humankind uh, existed. I mean, think about what there was. There was one person who invented the wheel, the round thing that we now are so familiar with. And I guess he must have been laughed at uh, because I mean, a real man carries rocks on his back and not in a cart with wheels, which makes it too easy. Um, jumping forward, Elvis was rejected because he was shaking with his hips too much. The telephone was was rejected in first instance. Uh, even the Beatles were were rejected. Computers, for sure, were going to make uh, uh, people redundant and obsolete. That which and, and it never was the case. Same with mobile phones, etc. So um, I'd like to make a sidestep with that, Peter, if that's okay. Uh, because last week or the week before, you went to a conference in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, about uh, AI being used in baggage 
tagging. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, I brought it up with you uh, recently because when you talk about chat GPT and what it can do for you, of course, it has everything to do with big data and then uh, co computer power really connecting all the data together and make something out of it, right? And uh, mm -hmm. so that is now surrounding us. My nephew is studying artificial intelligence in the Netherlands. Uh, there's no way back. Uh, we are now in this. Uh, artificial intelligence will be part of our lives. And uh, what was interesting was like uh, in this conference, there's a company, Dutch company, it's called Bags ID. And what they're trying to do is to take an, take images of a bag and then have have a baggage profile of that specific suitcase. So you, theoretically, you don't need a paper bag tag with a barcode anymore because you will know what that bag is in the system. You 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 take an image, you know exactly what the measurements are, even to the point where you have similar bags from the same vendor sold in the same store. You can still, through artificial intelligence, by having all these data points, recognizing one or distinguishing one from the other because there's a little dent or there's a little scratch and what have you. So now you have even in airlines and airports potentially uh, baggage that goes around the system without a bag tag because artificial intelligence will determine which bag it is and who it belongs to. So here we are uh, in this in this world where artificial intelligence will be part of our lives. And then that leads me also to uh, the the flip side of that, right? So this may be this may be very practical, handy to have artificial intelligence as part of our lives, but it can also. Uh, I mean, there are people who say this could do serious damage as well. And yeah. there was this article that I sent to you, Chris, in uh, in that's called Nupunt and Alice, like a Dutch website uh, that I still read and you still read, although I'm in the United States already for quite a while. Uh, but it talked about uh, profiling. So, and also what goes into the system. So you need to feed artificial intelligence. And as soon as you do, then it will continue building on that. So for example, if you have uh, a news cycle that uh, talks about a terrorist attack and the terrorist attack, and it's described that this particular person was, uh, and this this is the article saying that this is not me saying that that this uh, this particular person had a turban on his head, uh, which of course almost doesn't even make sense. But let's not uh, go there. What this article was saying is that as soon as that news comes out and it describes a person, then artificial intelligence will build on that. So there's a possibility that if you ask ChatGPT about a terrorist, then this may come up. And then people might say, yeah, well, so what? Well, it could also be like your, uh, it says like it has a baseball cap with the Atlanta Braves on it, right? And that's what is being described in, uh, in, uh, in the article. And then, uh, artificial intelligence builds on that. So now people with a baseball cap with the Atlanta Braves on it suddenly are being profiled by artificial intelligence. And that's, of course, uh, the danger or the flip side when it comes to uh, chat GPT or artificial intelligence in general. Yeah, and, and, and what you could say, this is, this is called an implicit bias in a way. Uh, so if you have one kind of people feeding the system, then you get that one kind of information out of that. Uh, put it differently, garbage in means garbage out. Now, this is not considered to be garbage. 
but there there are notes in the margin indeed um, mentioning that the information you get back is not always always correct of course um I, I want to take it a step further and say, okay, now what is good about this and what could be potentially harmful about this? This chat GPT or artificial in general uh, as such. In terms of, uh, we'll talk about this in a moment about education and how universities and schools can deal with this. But I want to talk about two aspects. And this comes from The Economist here. Uh, that's the source. Um, one is breast cancer, for instance. Okay, if 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 a woman goes to a doctor um, potentially thinking that, okay, I want uh, research, I want uh, investigation and research done, whether I have breast cancer or not, then that means that about 50-55% of the times, in to- this, is a, this is a big pool, um, the, the doctor is correct in establishing, yes, this person is has a form of breast cancer. Now, AI or big data can do this with a certainty of 90%, 90%, which of course is a lot higher. Now, Potentially, okay, we're emotional beings, so we might have the final check by a doctor. But I can imagine that if you're a woman and you would like to have yourself checked, have yourself checked by this computer that is for 90% zero, um, and then maybe have the final word for, for a doctor. For that reason, we still have pilots on board planes because we're emotional beings. So that could be a potential good site of big data or artificial intelligence, if you want. On the other hand, and this might sound a bit controversial, that's not the intention, and again, this is not me saying this is the economist coming up with this uh, with this article, putting the note in the margin when it comes to artificial intelligence, and that is um, the issue of homosexuality. Now, human beings like you and I, human beings can look at a person and can say, "Well, this person is gay," and we are about sixty percent right, six zero percent right. If you leave this up to a machine, in other words, AI. Um, they are 90 plus percent right, nine zero percent plus. Now you might shrug your shoulder and say, is that important? Well, in certain countries, no, it doesn't matter. And it's not even data that is being measured. However, in other countries, uh, think about some Middle Eastern countries, think about some African countries, homosexuality is punishable. It's illegal um, to be gay or to be homosexual. Now, if you have some sort of facial recognition uh, system installed, say in your airport, in your arrival area, then, then people being scanned, as it's, it's perfectly possible, if you have a phone, which is a decently recent, that is also facial recognition. So the computer can actually, t- the, the, the AI can tell, this person is gay. Now, you might be pulled aside by the police, then immigration police or whatever, and you might actually be detained simply because the computer says so. This mainly happens in cultures, and here we go back to culture again, this mainly happens in cultures that have a very high score on hierarchy and tend to edge towards a dictatorial regime, right? I'm not going to mention any countries in specific. I also do not know if any specific countries are actually using this. But this could be the the negative, the the serious downside, at least if you take it from a Western point of view, right? So it's not all roses on on that side. And of course, this has to do with some, some extent, do you... Do you trust the machine or do you, who do you trust more, the the doctor, the people in general, or do you trust the machine? What's your opinion with that, Peter? Well, I mean, first, I think as a disclaimer, uh, what you mentioned about recognizing uh, people and misusing it and the uh, topic of uh, breast cancer diagnosis or homosexuality, 
this is not something that uh, you come up with or that we think. This is the article in The Economist that stated this, right? This so is documented material, this is, yes. We, we are not... We, yeah, we're, we are not saying like we can recognize a person from a distance uh, or uh, or we think that the machine can. No, this was an article in The Economist stating this, which could be the flip side of artificial intelligence and uh, and, um, and facial recognition, for example. As a sidestep as well, I work with biometrics uh, for airlines and airports. And uh, essentially, uh, uh, in uh, actually in many countries, this is being deployed for, uh, for the company that I do business for, including in Europe, Middle East, Asia, and now also in the United States and in Europe. And it dramatically enhances the passenger experience and makes the passenger flow at airports and airlines much, much better. Uh, I would say that, you know, what's the upside and downside? I would say 99% it's only upside. It's upside all across the board. It helps uh, everybody. Uh, but there are some things that we need to take into account. That's true. When it comes to dis distrust, and now I think we're going to uh, a cultural dimension again, because we talked about predictability and we talked about uh, goal orientation and how that how that's leading to, again, the U.S. culture, the American culture coming up with this and then other cultures potentially embracing it, yes or no, depending on some of these cultural dimensions. But when it comes to distrust, we need to talk about the cultural dimension of collectivism and individualism a little bit more because when you talk about collectivistic uh, societies, you have groups. Uh, the group of family, it could be the group of the group of friends and, and people are, uh, are very, very much en uh, engaging each other within that group and, and technically or theoretically, or, or I would say maybe in reality, there mm -hmm. could be a distrust between one group and the other, like your group, my, not my group. So not necessarily am I trusting you? And of course, if you then take that across borders, then that can be, even become more explicit. So like we are Mexicans and you are not. So now something comes from another culture. So we, we may have some distrust. And I, 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 I saw that quite frankly in Latin America uh, over the years, because I've lived there for like 10 years in different countries, that there is indeed some distrust when technology comes from somewhere else and is being introduced there because it's like a, suddenly it's like wait a minute this is not our group coming up with this it's being injected into our culture what is this should we really be using this because who knows what it will do right so that is that is a component that we need to take into account as well when it comes to cultural differences and new technologies absolutely we'll talk about that in a moment um which which goes towards the future of uh, of things or machines like chat gpt um and i, I want to share a short story um with you and using chat gpt when i was playing around with it and i asked this this the machine to, to write me so this is the question i put in chat gtp write me a 500 word article on the differences between japanese and western culture okay boom within within seconds i had a 500 word article and then, of course, technology is not only ChatGPT. Now, there are also websites where you can actually check, is, has this been written by a human or has this been written by a machine, AI in this, in this case? Well, the, the, what ChatGPT generated for me 
I put in one of those websites and it, it gave me 99.97% written by a machine, by AI. So I spent a good hour actually uh, uh, refurbishing that, if you want, and, and doing using more spoken language, at least language how I would speak. And um, after about an hour and a few checks here and there, I was able to bring it down under 17%, which for me is, is acceptable enough. I mean, it, it reads, for me, it reads well enough as a, as a, uh, a human article. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's not all roses also with chat GPT, which, which brings me again, the next bridge to that is, is that also, uh, uh, schools and universities, they need to, to do something with this because as you say, Peter, this is not going away. This is Elvis is here to stay. And so it's an issue like chat GPT. So, um, and I think, but that's my personal opinion is, is that these, these universities are adapting to it quite slow. Uh, because they're, they're, they're not dinosaurs per se, but they're big, big, big institutions. And how do you change all that? If you, if your assignment is to write a, a, I don't know, whatever, develop a calculator in using a language, a computer language called Python. Well, just put it in chat GPT, write me a, uh, the code for a calculator in chat GPT, boom, in Python. And you, then you get the code just like that. Now you might fiddle with it if you understand the language a little bit. But that's, this is one of the things, of course, one of the things is the correctness of chat GTP. The other thing is, is that is you can check whether this is done by a machine. So there are websites that can actually check that. Um, and the other, maybe more most important question is, is that will students learn anything if, if a machine does all this? I don't know. That's the, the same thought process in a way when the computer got more mainstream and we also had a computer on our on our table will it it eliminate eliminate the work of people well on the contrary it actually created a lot of new work and new lines of business so it's uh, it you know it i don't know how this is going to go and i talked to my daughter who, who's studying in delft which is a technical university and she studies um, mathematics and physics so really exact exact subjects um, and I ask her, how is a university, your university going to cope with this? Because it's, it's not really, well, not, doesn't really help or does it? Um, and now what she has to do, what they, she just told me she had a, an, uh, 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 ah, an exercise, a, a check, um, where, which was called open book. So you can actually use your books, but you had to write down the answers and you cannot ask a computer anymore. So, and she really had to flip through the book and come up with the answer. So you really have to use your own brain with that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, there's the, the question always comes back. Will it replace humans? Peter? Well, yeah. Um, so there are two, you mentioned two, really two components to this story, right? One is, uh, will it replace humans? So, and so that's one side. And the other side is, will, uh, users be abusive? Will they abuse the system and, uh, use artificial intelligence and chat GPT, uh, to kind of like cheat, if you will? So there are like two components to that. So there was actually an article also that said like, well, this is a, this is a, um, this is a problem for knowledge workers, right? So teachers, do we need, do we, do we need teachers in the future? A human who is standing there in front of kids and, 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 uh, is teaching or can a bot, a, a, a chat GPT type of, uh, tool do a better job? 
Well, we'll have to see. In my mind, it is just another tool that will be part of education. It will not go away. Artificial intelligence will not go away. Uh, tools like ChatGPT will not go away. It's just here to stay. So how we use it is something else. And on the user side, by the way, also a story is I asked my youngest daughter, Gabriella, Gabby, uh, like, oh, well, you can use this now, right? For, to do some, uh, write some essays just to see what she was saying. I said, yeah, well, I mean, she says, I don't know, because one of my teachers, when I have to do an essay, makes me write the essay handwritten in class. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that that teacher also knows that uh, computers can do the work. Uh, by the way, you, as you said, there are enough websites now and, and technology to determine whether or not uh, it is actually written by uh, artificial intelligence or not. So we'll see. In general, when it comes to will technology uh, make humans obsolete, I think we you mentioned the Japanese example, right? Japan, Japan being one of the most uh, automated uh, societies in the world and over time uh, embrace technology across the board while unemployment has been very, very low. And this is also what I use in airports and airlines still today, which is if you implement self-service solutions and uh, facial recognition to do biometrics, et cetera, et cetera, it's not necessarily making humans obsolete, but it will change the jobs of people. And many times it makes the job better because if you work at an airport, would you like to be, as an employee, be more human and and talk to a passenger who needs help as opposed to just type in stuff for a, to, for a passenger to check in? Those are the types of things that might be changing. But anyways, so that's on the educational part, the user part, and the, the, the part where uh, maybe uh, teachers are afraid that, uh, that they will be uh, uh, obsolete at some point. I think you wanted to talk also a little bit more about the the dimension of predictability right yeah and this is what i think at least and this is again this is this is our take on this um when it comes to the educational institutions like uh, let's say a bachelor degree or a master's degree of some sort at a university or college to that extent and i think again this is our take on when it comes to culture and the integration of this this kind of new technology is that the the countries that relatively score low on predictability uh, will adjust or adapt to this or integrate this either or um, they will not put it aside because they also realize this is going to stay and if you put it aside if you don't embrace it then it people will do it it goes underground that's usually how it goes um, and for instance an example of low low scoring countries are are indeed the united states the uk Scandinavia in terms of Denmark, Norway, Sweden, uh, potentially Finland and Iceland as well. And there will be a faster adaptation or in and or integration of these these kind of uh, new technology or typically this uh, chat GPT technology. I was actually thinking a nickname could be cheat GPT as well, if you depends a bit how you use it, of course. And there's been there have been some uh, some reactions around the world here. Again, this comes from a website. This doesn't come from us where, for instance, in Australia, uh, the universities are changing the ex examination procedures back to table assignments, pretty much like you said, your daughter has to write it with hand um, and then memorizing some text becomes a bit useless. Um, so an A in New York University, so in New York City, uh, the tool is now even banned. So they don't know what to do with it and then it will be banned. Of course, people will keep on using it. I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous. 
That's the same as banning alcohol. Yeah. If you're under 21, you'll find somebody else who gets it or get a fake idea or something like that. And last but not least here, this comes from BFM TV, which is the, the French, um, well, one of the French national news centers, is that the education ministry, ministry, yeah, the minister, the ministry, um, is they're closely following this issue and the potential uh, uses for it. In other words, they sort of they take a bit of a distance and and they let's see if it develops. And indeed, France is a country that scores relatively high on this dimension of, of predictability. Now, we've given you some pros and cons of um, uh, AI or ChatGPT in, in specifics. Uh, we've added a bit of a sauce over that. Um, and of course, this begs the question to some extent, what's next? What's the future? So we so we solved that problem, didn't we? Well, maybe we did. Um, as you mentioned, we talk about artificial intelligence, JetGPT in general. We put the cultural source over it. Of course, uh, we always want to tie it back to international business in general, right? Because what is the point of telling this story? The point of this telling this story is that revolutionary new technology has a cultural dimension. It comes from somewhere. It needs to be adopted somewhere. It needs to be adapted, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so what we're saying is if you are in the industry of uh, revolutionary technologies and you are expanding across the world, you will encounter cultural differences and you will have to deal with the cultural dimensions you mentioned before, Chris. So if you're an American company and you want to expand into France, uh, that has a cultural component uh, and vice versa as well. That's uh, why we are talking about culture and technology. And of course, uh, we asked ourselves as well, right, Chris, will we become obsolete? Do we really need a Culture Matters podcast in the future if we can just ask jet gpt or for that matter uh maybe over voice right uh, uh -huh. at, at some point it might be replaced by a voice as well we of course we have echo and alexa and siri already uh asking questions i do it all day long here in my house so what we we thought like will it become absolute or not instead of us coming up with the answer of course we ask chat gpt evidently will the culture matter podcast be obsolete right so yeah. i'm going to put on my glasses and i'm going to read to you chris what chat gpt told us oh my and god it's good news oh it is good news it is good news it is good news so what jet gpt tells us is no artificial intelligence is unlikely to make culture matter the culture matter podcast obsolete Although artificial intelligence technology is advancing rapidly, it is still limited in its ability to understand, analyze, and generate content in a way that truly captures the essence and context of human culture. Podcasts, with their human hosts and guests, provide a unique perspective and a human connection that artificial intelligence is unlikely to replicate in the near future. Yeah. We're safe. That's the scary part. It, it says here near future. Is that artificial intelligence will enhance it. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the scary thing exactly. is it is in the near future. So in the in the far future, far away future, who knows? Um, yeah. So, well, in a way, that's good news indeed. And with that good news, we'd like to part. And um, hopefully this was 
to some extent enlightening. And again, what we try to do is, is, is take the cultural view of something that is really, really technical. And usually technology is seen as, as quite neutral, which in the end, it's never. Nothing is culturally neutral. I think we are uh, absolutely convinced of that. And if you understand, if you have a little bit of experience with different cultures, you most likely will agree with us. All right. This was the number 169 uh, podcast slash videocast. Um, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can please, please do so. Uh, you can do so on iTunes. You can give us a rating there. That will be good, uh, at least good for the visibility. Um, the same you can do on YouTube, where you can look at us and, um, well, you can look at us, stare at us at different angles as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound, at least that's the podcast. Um, and well, my name is Chris Mitt, and who are you? I'm Peter van der Lende. Um, we'll see you next time. We have to come up with a uh, next subject. I think this was a great uh, topic, uh, Chris. And I think we will be back in a couple of weeks, right? Uh, we'll be back in more or less two weeks with another episode, another podcast, another uh, video cast. And um, two weeks ago, in uh, episode 168, we talked with um, Heather Hansen, an American living in Singapore. And we talked about the subject of culture and language, how people in implicitly judge you or label you if you have a certain accent in, in no matter what language that is even. Um, so make sure you check out that one as well. From here, from Paris and from Atlanta, we wish you a, pre um, a nice continuation of your, uh, of your day or what's left of it. Take care. Bye-bye. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com. Thank you.